you for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, visit www.therockonline.org. And now, a message from The Rock of Gainesville. I'm not going to ask how many of you are first service people that just showed up thinking, no, don't raise your hands. There you go. Thinking it's, uh, it is not 936. It is 1136. And uh, we, live in a, we live in an amazing day. Really, there's only like one clock left to change, and that's that little battery thing that most of you don't live by. So don't act like you just live by that. Most of our phones just do it automatically. Last night, I don't know about you, last night I went to bed, hang on, I went to bed at 8 o'clock. I am not lying. It felt good. I was like praying for the rest of y'all to have some wisdom, but... Uh, Obviously, some of you didn't. You look like you got double shots of espresso trying to keep your eyelids open, so stay awake this morning. Uh, it, was, it was 8 o'clock, but it was 9 o'clock, technically. In my mind, it was 9 o'clock, and uh, I slept really, really good till 4 o'clock this morning. And uh, I woke up drenched. No, I did not wet on myself. Thank you very much. Yes. I've been fighting a fever since Friday evening, and uh, yesterday, I had a rough day. I was preparing. I stayed home all day in my PJs, and I was studying and praying and shaking and rattling and rolling. I had a long sleeve shirt on and a blanket and a fireplace on. My wife walked through. She said, you're killing me. And uh, I said, well, leave. I'm cold. I was shaking uh, till about four o'clock this morning. I woke up literally drenched. And I think by the grace of God, the fever has broken. And uh, so I didn't hug on any babies in the first service or kiss on any of them, even though I wanted to. And, uh, but I do I'm thankful to uh, be able to be here with you this morning. As you know, last week we were still in Cuba, and uh, it's good to be home among the land of the English. <laughs> I love Spanish. I just cannot speak it or understand it or think like it or anything. But uh, I love Cuba. Obviously, I've been there 30 times, and I uh, love the people we had an awesome time, and Suzanne's going to come up and help me. Um, we're going to show just a couple of pictures, but before we do, uh, L. Clark, uh, one of our amazing men of God, faithful, retired man uh, from California, L. and Fran Clark moved here about two and a half years ago. He is a retired attorney. He actually, for those of you that don't know, he's not here today, so I can tell you all this stuff. He is actually the retired, um, uh, what's the proper word for what I said in the first one? Lead counsel for the whole uh, four square denominational church that's based out of California and goes east all the way to Florida, actually, Georgia. Uh, actually, it goes all the way to Kenya, Africa, and uh, Jamaica, Haiti. But Elle's um, just been, Elle and Fran have been just such a gift to us over the last couple of years they're here. Um, and uh, so he retired, and now I can't, I have to keep a GPS on him to find, know where he is. He's just uh, busy about the father's business, going to Kenya, Africa a couple times a year. Uh, he got home this week from a great trip, and I'll sh just show you a couple pictures real quick there. Uh, he, he, we prayed over him a couple weeks ago, right before he left, and uh, these are a couple of his translators, and uh, he had a great time. I spent a couple hours with L this week, and he shared all the stories 
We actually gave him $1,000 out of our mission fund right before he left, and he brought home thank you notes from pastors that he gave $100 a piece to that just were overwhelmed and appreciative. So thank you for your faithfulness always given in missions. And then uh, Oscar and Vicki and Suzanne and I and Suzanne's twin sister, Suzette, um, left two weeks ago today after service, and I've asked Suzanne to help me out and share while she does. There'll be a few pictures on the screen above her head, and, and for those of you that are concerned, don't worry, she's, she's not turning Catholic on me, but we stay in a Catholic convent in Havana when we go there, and you'll see a couple of yeah. pictures, and, and the little nuns are just amazing, precious. Uh, and so Very Suzanne's precious. always taking pictures with them. So. <laughs> I love them. Um, yeah, here, here we are. I'm, I was with my twin, and um, we had a big birthday this year, and so we decided that we were going to go on a missions trip together, and believe it or not, it's our first one ever together. And we didn't even realize it until a couple of months ago. We were like, wow, this is the first time we're going to do a missions trip together. It was so wonderful. I had told her before we left, I said, by the time this trip is over, you're going to turn to me and you're going to say, I love Cuba. I love the Cuban people. And sure enough, on our way to our last service, she turned to me and she said, Suzanne, I love this place. And I said, I know, I told you you would. I kept inviting her to go with us. But there's something special about this place and the people. And we had a wonderful time. And I will say this, that I realize I'm, it's, it's great traveling with Oscar and Vicky. And um, I think we make, we, we're fun team together and a great team together. But I, will, I realized that as uh, Pastor George was ministering the word, it really is in the beginning, it's like a, a bit of a spiritual warfare because they sit back and they kind of look at you and they're just trying to figure out if they can relate to you or if you can relate to them. And, um, and I will say this, I, I admire my husband. He has this anointing for telling a few stories that just kind of cause them to let their guard down and, and able to receive the word that is ministered. And um, anyway, uh, we had such a great time. And one of the church, this church right here, we walk in and they have Parkers and they have um, serve well, teams. Cars. You see them in their t-shirts, serve teams. Yep. And they're serving coffee. And here we are in the building and it was packed out. And believe it or not, this is the first time ever they had air conditioning. And we were like, oh, Wow. In fact, I got really cold during the service. And this is the pastor's wife and his family. She just had a new baby. But we had such a wonderful time together. And I love what the Lord is doing there. And I love being a part of what he is doing there. And I want to thank you for your giving and missions. I want to thank you for your prayers. I want to thank you for sending us out with your blessing and your covering. And Abdiel, such an amazing, amazing young man. And that's his mother who heads up an amazing ministry um, with her three sons. And I just want to say that um, the word that we brought forth was the word on, on seed time and harvest. And so many of the leaders, am I right? Mm -hmm. And pastors have never really heard this word on seed time and harvest. It's so much a part of who we are and part of our lives and so, such a strong part in the word. But because of their culture and, and the way that they've, they've grown up there, they have never really heard this word or, or received it before. So um, that was the word that, that uh, George was bringing to them. And I believe it's going to uh, bring amazing fruit in not only the churches, 
um, but it's going to bring amazing fruit in that nation. So I want to bless you and thank you for sending us, and um, it was absolutely an amazing trip. Thank you, baby. It was great traveling with my wife and her twin sister, except your pastor slept alone. <laughs> what, what's the deal with that? I take my sister-in-law on a missions trip and lose my wife. <laughs> Two doors down. After the second night, my wife, I went down to check on them right before bedtime. And she's, like, she's all cut up in bed. She said, honey, you could come sleep with us. Mm, no. That's just a little weird. My wife and her identical twin. I don't think so. So uh, I went back to my room and camped out. And I was so glad to come home to English and a bed with my wife in it. So... Thank y'all for your prayers. You didn't know why you were interceding for your pastor so hard, but uh, I was all cuddled up along with me and four pillows in the bed, two doors down. So it was great to have Suzanne's twin, Suzette, with us. Uh, she really was deeply touched, um, as we knew she would be. So on behalf of all of our team and L. Clark, thank you for your prayers. You sent us down covered, and we came home with a good report, blessed, covered, and, and we're believing God. We're going to believe God for good harvest on the seed, amen, that we planted. We, I spoke for about 12 hours over three days, two days at the pastor's conference. We had 170 or so pastors, missionaries, pastors, spouses, and leaders um, in the conference. And we wrapped it up. One of the pictures that was on the screen was actually in Havana outside of the Council of Churches and the Bible Commission office. And uh, we went by uh, on our way back into Havana. And Oscar and I ended up in a meeting with uh, the past president, um, Dopico, Joel, past Reverend Joel Dopico, and with uh, Reverend Elaine whatever Elaine's last name is. Anyhow, uh, we met with them, gave a brief report on our uh, conference in Cienfuegos. They were ecstatic, immediately jumped on board. And as you guys know, I made a commitment that if the doors opened down there, I would go across the nation, the 15 of the 16 provinces that we delivered 1 million Bibles into over four years. Holy Spirit asked me, would I go back and teach the kingdom uh, message on tithes, offerings, um, living blessed or cursed, your choice, uh, seed time and harvest. And um, so this is our second one. We were in October in uh, Havana with 200 pastors. We had 170 this time. Well, the leadership got so excited, especially when they heard the testimony at the end. And I'll tell you about that some other time. I got to preach the word this morning. But uh, a powerful testimony of God's faithfulness at the end. The pastor you saw with the red hair and the blue shirt, and I was holding up a tray of, oh my gosh, it was fabulous, uh, guava and cheese uh, dessert tray. We, we actually ate through two plates of that uh, during, a, during a, a break, and uh, I don't normally eat in between while I'm speaking, but that thing just bit me, and I had to start biting it back, and it was fabulous. But anyhow, that pastor hosted our event, and when it began, he was white-knuckled, serious look on his face. He's a bab precious Baptist pastor. Uh, it's his first pastor. He's been there a little over a year. And he hosted this event with non-denomination. We had 27 um, denominations um, plus non-denominational pastors in the gathering. And uh, at the beginning, he was just literally, he was scared spitless. He was a, kind of afraid of the message we were going to be bringing. He, he had heard some things that he thought he had heard. And so 
we just finally had to ask him to trust God and that at any point during the gathering, if uh, he felt like I was off in left field, he had every right. It was his church to stand up and take the microphone and I would give it to him. And, and so... After the first break, uh, he, he disappeared upstairs into the Holy of Holies in, in a back room. And in our second break, I, uh, somebody went up and they said, Pastor's up there. He's got his Bible open. He's got his notebook open. And man, he was going through every scripture I'd given to make sure that it was accurate. And, and uh, by the end of it, he had a huge smile on his face. Um, they received us, tears running down their face. Matter of fact, before we left, uh, they pulled Pastor Suzanne aside and the pastor's wife at the Baptist church asked her, will you please, please come back and do a ladies conference for women of God across the city? We will pack this house with people from all different denominations. And, uh, and then they literally walked us out the door around and that same pastor who was, was very timid and a little afraid at the beginning, was hugging me, Gloria Dios and gracias, thanking us, and literally walked us to the door, hugged me three times before we left. That's what God's Word will do in a person's life. It'll break down yokes and barriers and, and intimidations and everything else. The Word of God, come on somebody, will change our life from the inside out. Amen? The Word of God, getting it. That's why the enemy wants you out of the Word so much. He'll give you anything. He'll give you a change of clocks, television, stupid vision social media. He'll give you anything you will buy into if you'll stay out of the Word of God. Because the Word of God will change your life, take you from glory to glory in your latter days. Come on, somebody will be greater, come on, than your former days because of the goodness of God. Amen? So I want to get into this message. This is part four. We're going to wrap it up today. Uh, this last um, message out of this four-week series we've been doing on stay in your lane. And uh, if you were not here during these weeks, I would encourage you to go online. You can watch all three messages. Matter of fact, Pastor Jamie brought the word last week. Did a great job. Come on, put your hands together for Pastor Jamie. He brought, he brought a strong word, and I appreciate it. Before I get in the word, I also want to pause and say it's so wonderful to have home. Y'all didn't even know it. During worship, man, we were just enjoying worship and didn't even look over at the drums. Uh, but but our, our man, Victor, and his beautiful wife, Katie, are home from Texas. You guys stand up and wave to the people. Victor and Katie Ortiz, some of our very own children family. And uh, they live out in Texas right now. We loaned them to some place out there for a little while. I'm believing for God to bring them home. I'm believing for harvest. And, uh, but uh, we knew they were coming, invited Victor to play. And uh, he just is such an amazing, anointed young uh, man who loves God and loves to honor God on the drums. And his wife, Katie, she's one of my daughters. I love you, Katie. <laughs> Stop it. All right. Uh, Father, help me one more time. In this word, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Stay in your lane. I have one simple message today, and I'm going to pull out way in the old covenant back in Genesis chapter 11, a really short story, and I hope it doesn't end up being your life. I'm going to get to it in just a couple of moments, but I want you to know that I believe that God has called us to Know where our lane is, to find our lane, to live in our lane, to stay in our lane, no matter how difficult it is. His grace is sufficient in our lives. There's nothing that he's asked us to do or required us to do that he has not, first of all, graced us to do. And if he's graced us, then we don't even need to waste a lot of time talking or praying about it. We just need to get on with the business of staying in our lane. 
Amen. So as a subtitle this morning, I want to talk about finishing strong because I believe that in this day and hour, especially for the church in America, every nation in the world has their issues. Every nation in the world has their persecutions, their deals. And uh, America, uh, I, I, it's hard to say the word persecution, but we have our deals too. We have our issues too. And it's, it's normally the complete opposite of persecution. It's the complete opposite of lack, slack, and not enough. It has more to do with an abundance, blessing, uh, being overcome with stuff so much so that our life we really we really end up as believers battling through struggling through where is my lane what has God called me to do what has called me to be because my flesh really likes Disney World and my flesh really likes the beach every time the sun comes out which we live in Florida so it's out a lot look around at all the empty chairs where are these people you know can I tell y'all something we have more people in our church than you ever see it's true. Matter of fact, the building we're designing and plan to build, break ground in June, we're prophesying and believing. If everybody actually came to church like the way Suzanne and I were raised, where you actually went to church every weekend, our new building wouldn't be big enough. But it's plenty big right now. Matter of fact, we could take both the second service this morning and the first service and have one service because we live in America and we struggle with my flesh wants what my flesh wants. The lane that God has for me is over here. But I live on a daily, weekly basis in this battle with my flesh. Oh, listen how quiet y'all get. Now, somebody say amen just so you, you, know, you mean it for somebody else over next to you. Am I speaking the truth or not? We live in a society where when I was growing up, I, I mean, I wasn't even really living for God. But you didn't miss church. You went to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, two-week revival, every summer. And if you needed a vacation, you took maybe one weekend at the most, two. The national average in America today is, you know what it is, 1.6. 1.6 weeks a month is the average of what we call in America Christians. That's painful, isn't it? Because it doesn't reflect Christianity. It doesn't reflect not forsaking the assembling of the brothers for the sake of my flesh once, 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 and once. Next week, we're going to start a new series. I'm really excited about it, actually. It's titled, Why Church? A couple of weeks, we're going to just talk about why church? Why church? Is it the law? Oh, not for Suzanne and I. I mean, all I can speak about is my life, my family, my wife. I can't even speak about my children anymore, my grandchildren. They're not my responsibility. But my wife and I, we don't come to church because it's the law, because we have to, because we have a, you know, a certain number of weeks every year we got to get in to get the check mark. No, I can't imagine being anywhere this morning except here in the middle of the body of Christ, having your hugs, your love, your, 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 your kisses on the cheek, your kids running up. I mean, the family of God, for me, is everything. It's life. And some folks would say, well, pastor, it's your job. It wasn't my job before. When I married my wife, I was in the Air Force. She's a school teacher. And we never missed the house of God. First of all, we were like all the rest of y'all back then, broke. <laughs> we lived in Panama City, beach, 
You know how many times our boys went to the beach when they were growing up? How many, honey? Three, maybe four? In, 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 in four and a half years. We couldn't afford the gas to drive across the bridge to get to the beach. <laughs> anybody, anybody besides us know that kind of broke? Let me just see your hands. Okay. We grew up broke. We grew up with nothing. The idea of leaving Panama City and driving to Disney World, that wasn't happening. I mean, but the reality is today, we can afford to go anywhere we want, and so can you. And that's where so many people that claim Jesus are today, somewhere else. And if you ask folks, if I ask you next week when you aren't here, Oh, pastor, you came home from Cuba all fired up. I ain't got to my message. I'm just, I, 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 I just got to start calling it what it is. I, I, I can't be responsible one day before God and say, God, I'm sorry. You know, I really didn't want to offend my people. So I just let them do whatever they wanted in the name of Jesus. See, he doesn't let me get away with anything. Constantly reeling in. See, it's not about even the numbers, unless, of course, you're 26 to 30 weekends out of the year somewhere doing something. Don't tell me that your kids think that the house of God is number one. Right. Right. Amen. Matter of fact, if y'all don't mind, I'll, I'll just walk around over the next couple of weeks while we're doing this white church series and ask your children a few questions. Everybody okay with that? Yeah. You okay with me asking your kids, where are you most weekends? Amen. You okay with that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <Woo -hoo. laughs> Hallelujah. I might need some counseling, Mike. I haven't even met you yet, but I might need some counseling after this service right here. We have some guests from Ocala. It's good to have them. Uh, all right, I'm going to get in the message. Is that okay with y'all? You know I love you, right? And I, I've just come back from a nation where last weekend, Suzanne and I walked into two services, one building, packed to the hill. She said they had air conditioning when we first got in. Matter of fact, she's like, oh, my gosh, I'm cold. I'm like, give it a minute. Because once they packed that place and worship started, man, that worship leader, he was giving it all he had. Man, sweat was dropping off. It was flinging out on me. I was on, I was on the front row about six inches from his face, it seemed like. But he was right there. It was packed, every chair. And as soon as service was out, man, they got those people out. And they got the built room all set and the chairs reset. I thought I was at home at the Rocket Gainesville, except they were full and we're not. Because, you see, their people have nowhere to go. They, they live like 400 yards from the water. But boy, they're going to be in church. They have no social media to keep them messed up. They have no television worth watching. I mean, they have TV, but it's just not worth watching. You would go, oh, stay home, watch TV, or go to church. Go to church, man. They got live music. They, they offer you coffee as soon as you walk up to the building, give you a plate of rice and beans when you come out of church. They got some air conditioning. Man, I'm going to church. You say, well, pastor, maybe we need to offer something nobody has in America. Well, when you find that out, you let me know what that is. Because we have everything. Am I speaking the truth this morning? And aren't you glad you're here this morning? <laughs> aren't you glad you're not listening to this as you drive down the road this week? 
Hear me. You, you know my heart, man. I love you. I am so for you. But I'm telling you, some of you dads, some of you moms, you have bought into the lie of your flesh. Deserve. You, you worked hard to get all this, and you have a right to 21 vacations a year. You have a right, but does it make it right? What's, what's going on in your spirit? What's going on in your heart? What's going on in your children's life? When they don't think the house of God is just where I'm going to be. Yeah. No question. Yeah. I asked somebody a while ago where somebody was. Well, they're sick. And I said, well, so am I. But I'm preaching. I mean, today in our society today, one person out of seven gets sick in a family. whole family says, oh, why? We stream live. And we do stream live. And whenever I'm out of the country, I love to be able to watch it. But man, when I'm home, I want to be in the house of God. I need to be in the house of God because God's got a plan and he hasn't left America out. See, I don't need the, great, the greatest next conference to pay to run to to get something from God. I get everything I need from the house of God. Oh, man, he adds to us. Yes, there's amazing preachers. I, I listen to podcasts. My wife listens. We listen to preachers all the time, all over the place, have great things to say. But I'm telling you, I'm not normally going to leave the house of God to run anywhere to, to experience what somebody else is getting from God. Because if God's not willing to give it to us, I don't know what's going on over there. See, I don't feel sorry for the church in Cuba. Matter of fact, sometimes I feel hard-pressed to even ask God to release a little bit of the pressure they're under because I'm afraid they might end up like us. Isn't, isn't that, that's, that's tough, isn't it? I mean, that's tough. You saw that picture of that precious little baby? Suzanne was holding him and I was holding him. His name's Isaac. He's got a big brother, Daniel, and a big brother, Samuel. And his seven-year-old brother, Samuel, I wish, I wish I'd have taken the time to sh show the little minute and 27-second video. But uh, we, last week, we're wrapping up the second service, and, and, and I'd really prayed on Saturday. We'd come back into Havana, and I said, Lord, I really want a word for this house. I don't want to just pull out something. I don't want to re-preach something. I need, I need a word because Pastor Randy's opened up his pulpit and asked me to come in and preach two services. I, I want to say something. I want, I want to say what you're wanting to say. And so Holy Spirit gave me a clear word. I was excited about it. And so when we were through, Pastor Randy stood up and he said, we're going to take a break in our series that we're doing right now because our friends from America are here and we believe he has a word. And, and so when I brought the word, when it was all said and done, uh, Pastor Randy gets up and he's very moved and he said, I need to pray over this team from America. I need to pray over protection over them and what God's wanting to do and all these things. And, and so he just starts praying and, 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 and Vicky and Oscar over here and Oscar's translating for Vicky and Suzette's in the middle trying to catch translation here. And Suzanne and I are here, and, and Abdiel uh, uh, is between us, and he's he's given us the translation, and and so I'm just listening to this prayer and and uh, hearing it in Spanish, and Oscar and Abdiel, and and so I, I finally I just kind of peeked open my eyes, you know. Anybody ever else peeked when pastors praying? So I peeked open. I, I know all of y'all that peek. Okay, so it's okay. Uh, I peeked, and and all of a sudden I almost burst out laughing, and I punched my wife, and I said, "Honey, look, I." grab my phone and I start videoing because while the pastor is up front, he's just praying, man. He's, he's just a fireball and, and he, he's just, he's letting it go. He's releasing the anointing over us, prophesying over us, speaking over us. And 
His little seven-year-old son, unbeknownst to anybody, because everybody's got their heads bowed and their eyes closed, little seven-year-old son walks up behind his daddy, and while his daddy's just praying and just declaring the word, his little boy is up there, and he's just mimicking his dad, and, and, and all of a sudden, he catches me, and I'm video, I'm right where Tom is, and, well, I'm actually, I'm about right here where the monitor is, and he sees me, and his eyes get real big, and he just backs up behind his daddy, and then he just starts again, man, he's just praying, he's just bringing it down and then he walks up to the podium and he's just got his hands up like this and his dad doesn't have a clue what's going on he, he's up here in front just praying like crazy and this little this little guy man he's back here he's banging on the on the platform man he's just praying like this oh my gosh it blessed my heart i've actually watched it twice this morning in my office it just blessed me and i'm thinking hey some people say well he's just mimicking hey rather him mimic that than the crapola that our kids mimic here in america from stupid vision. Amen? I'd, I'd rather my son or my grandson be wanting to be what I am than what the world says is something worth looking at. And so I got to preach. Stay in your lane. Finish strong. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7. I just want y'all to know right now I'm going at least six minutes over. So uh, just add that to the clock if you want or don't worry about it. 2 Timothy 4, 7. Listen to this. Paul says, I have fought the good fight, I've finished the race, and I've kept the faith. You got to get this. Paul is declaring that he has fought the good fight, he's finished the race, and he kept his faith in the midst of it. Hear me, church in America today, we do not want to end up our lives with regret because we were sold a bill of goods by our society, our nation, and our culture that it's okay, just do what you want. Just visit church when you want. Be good. Don't kill anybody. Be good. You'll make it to heaven. I don't want to just make it to heaven. Amen. I want to be like Paul. As a matter of fact, if I have any kind of a, 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 a prayer passion for the end of my life, it's I want to fight the good fight. I want to finish the race. And I want to keep my faith. I don't want to lose it. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, Paul also says to the church at Ephesus, he says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Be strong in the Lord. I'm, I'm going somewhere with this, so hang on. Joshua chapter 1, you know where I'm going here. Joshua chapter 1, verse 9, God says to Joshua, Joshua, have I not commanded you? What? What, what, do you, what have you commanded me? He said, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you. Come on, wherever you go. You know what? We need to be going somewhere. We need to be doing something. God's not going to forsake us. He's not going to leave us. He's not going to leave us on our own. We need to be about the business of going into all the world, which for us begins here. Our Jerusalem is Gainesville. Where in Gainesville is God calling you to go, to be, to serve, to touch, to be faithful? So I have a question for you. What is it that you need to finish strong in your life? Is it not the will of God for your life, your destiny, your purpose, your plan? What, what is destiny? Isn't destiny living according to the Father's plan for your life? So what do you need to be strong? What, Pastor, what are you saying to me this morning? I'm saying we need to stir up within us the ability to keep the faith, to be strong, and to walk out the destiny that Father God has for my life because it's his plans that are going to make all the difference in the world for me and my life so that I don't end up right before death, hear me, with regret. 
I don't want to end up with regret. I don't want to end up going, wow, I did this, this. You know, one of the things that blessed me, and I told El this week, El's a humble man. He is, he is for 25 years, was the lead counsel for the whole Foursquare denomination. Jack Hayford, he was Jack Hayford's personal attorney. And, and yet he is a humble man who retired and just said, now that I've retired, I want to do a couple things. He, he, came, he moved to Gainesville, he thought. Him and Fran, Fran was here for service. They thought they moved here because of Gator football. He went to law school here, never been back since. And he, and he loved Gator football in the two years he was in law school. So they retired from California, bought a house here about three uh, miles from the church before they'd ever come to Gainesville. They built a, I mean, bought a house and then moved. And the very first weekend they got here, Christmas weekend, two and a half years ago, they came to church. And God just knitted us together. And he said, well, I'm retired. I said, well, that's great. What are you going to do? He said, oh, I got all kinds of things. And sure enough, over the last couple of years, I mean, he's just going somewhere constantly because retirement for him was just the opportunity now for him to live the rest of his life doing something for God that he believes really, really, really matters. You know what? You might have to work a job till you're 60 or 65, but that job is not you. That's not who you are. And if right now you still live under the deception that it is, that's a shame because it can never fulfill you. Only living out the purposes and plans of God will fulfill your life. That's the only thing that will help you to realize your destiny. So you become a person of destiny when you realize that Father God has a plan for your life. Listen to this. And a place of destiny for you, come on, and your family. Father God's plan for your life is not just for you. You got to get this. It's multi-generational. It's multi-generational. His plan for your family, listen, will outlive you. His plan for your life, his destiny for your life will outlive you through your children and your children's children. Man, about three o'clock this afternoon, you're going to be waking up from a nap and you're going to get that. It's not just me. It's not just me. Man, it's my children. It's my sons. It's my daughter-in-laws. It's my grandchildren. He's going to accomplish something in me. And because he accomplishes it through Suzanne and I, he's going to be able to be seen and experienced through our grandchildren. Because we're going to pass something spiritually down, DNA down to them. That who knows, but they might change their world that they're living in. We didn't realize it. We were just trying to be faithful, serve where we could serve, declare what we could declare, preach what we could preach, go where he said go. We're just living our lives trying to say, God, I just want to obey you. I want to live out your destiny for my life. And all in the meantime, we think it's about us. And God's looking at your little great grandson. And he's going, oh, no, no, no. I'm preparing. You're, whoo, Lord, have mercy. I'm preparing something that's bigger than you. My dad passed away last year, you know that, 99 years of age. He lived 95 years because God had to give him that much grace and mercy for him to get it together and to live out the last four and a half years of his life with purpose. And when I went to Cuba, I landed, we went straight to the church in Cienfuegos, I walked in the door and a lady looks up and she sees me and she goes, oh, pastor, how's your dad? I said, Oh, thank you for asking. He's doing great. And she looked and said, oh, that blesses me. I said, he's with Jesus. And she said, what? I said, yeah, he died, but he's great. 
He is with his father. It took him 95 years to live long enough to get a hold of what God's plan for his life was. To be a giver and not a taker. And I'm telling you, go, flying back into Cuba again, I was, the emotions were just so raw, so real, that, that I realized God loved my daddy so much that he didn't realize it wasn't about my daddy. It wasn't even about his son, George. It might not even about, be about his son, Nathan. It might be about his great-grandson, George Nathan, or Peter, or Wyatt, or it even might be about one of their children that God started something significant in my dad's life in 2015 and let him live long enough to complete it. But it even then wasn't about him. It was multi-generational. Man, we look at life and we did, it's so big. Oh my gosh, 60. I can't imagine living. To, you're how old, pastor? My gosh, you're old. I'm 61. Yesterday I was 12. And for all you young people, it's coming. <laughs> you look at me and say, oh man, somebody get that man a cane. He's, he's up there, but hey, it's coming. But hear me, his plan for your family will outlive you. God is doing things now to set up for your children's children according to his plans and purposes for your life. So with that, I want you to turn to Genesis chapter 11, and I want to read you a very short story of a man named Terah who was the father of who? Abraham. Abram. Yeah, him too. Nahor too. Yep. Hector's trying to show how spiritual he was there. It's like, <laughs> he was uh, the father of him too. Let me read this to you, all right? Genesis chapter 11, verse 27. Now, these are the generations of Terah. Terah fathered Abram, Nahor, and Haran, and Haran fathered Lot. Haran died in the presence of his father Terah in the land of his kindred in Ur of the Chaldeans. And Abram and Nahor took wives. The name of Abram's wife was Sarai, or Sarah, and the name of Nahor's wife, Milcah, and the daughter of, uh, the daughter of Haran, the father of Milcah and Iscah. Don't you love Jim, John, and Joe today? Uh, <laughs> verse 31, Terah took Abram, his son, and Lot, the son of Haran, his grandson, and Sarah, his daughter-in-law, his son Abram's wife, and they went forth together from Ur or the, uh, of the Chaldeans to go to the land of Canaan. What was the land of Canaan? Anybody know? It was the land of? It was the land of? Promise. It was the land of promise. God told Terah, get up and go. Take your family out of Ur of the Chaldeans and go to the place of promise that I have for you. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. The days of Terah, verse 32, were 205 years and Terah died in Haran. So what can we learn from Terah's life? Terah was a man who only went halfway. He only went halfway. He stopped right in the middle of the race. Oh, he was in his lane, but he quit. You know how often ESPN reshows anything of a race where someone quit in the middle? Blows something, man. Blows something in their leg or their foot or their ankle. Now, you let a marathon happen, and man, after about 25 miles, somebody, you know, 
falls and skins up their knee and their elbow and their face and they got road rash and, and, and their foot's twisted and, and, and you watch that person get up and go, you know, they're, in, they're so far in last place, they're already ahead for next year's race, but, but they are dragging that leg because they're not going to quit. Why? Because they got one mile left to go to cross that finish line. They're in their lane and they're going to do whatever it takes to get there. Now you got a story. But you just let somebody come up and quit in mile 13 of a marathon. You ain't getting no story. You, you, you don't even get a blurb. You don't even, you get nothing. Suzanne shared with me this morning right before prayer. She's, she was praying over our service today. And she said, honey, one of the problems in the church in America is this. Too many Christians say, well, I'm in my lane, but, but, but I'm not going anywhere. I'm in neutral. I'm I'm just at peace with being right here. Can I tell you something? There's no neutral with God. There's no neutral in the word of God. There's no putting, there's no end to put it in and and just say, I'm going to hang out here a while. You're either pressing in or you're slipping back. There's no in between. There's no, I'm just going to, I'm just going to pause here for the next 10 years of my life and hope everything works out. Horrible way to live. Because you will live your life, you'll end your life with regret. Terah was a man who only went halfway. God said to him, Terah, take your family, go to Canaan. But he reached a city called Haran and he settled there. Why? Terah reached Haran and became very comfortable in this valley that he had found. He decided it was a beautiful place and he saw no need in continuing his journey to Canaan. It just wasn't worth it. The effort. Man, I'm, I'm 50 years old, or I'm 65 years old, or I'm 75 years old, and I've worked hard my whole life, and I just want to sit down and do nothing. Die. Yeah. Sit down and do nothing is not life. It's not living. Because I promise you, you're not just sitting down doing nothing. You're sitting down in front of stupid vision. Just feeding yourself garbage. There's got to be more to life than that. Man, I want, to be bu- I want to be so busy that maybe God will even have to say, well, I plan to take him now, but he, he, he won't slow down, so I'm going to have to just give him a little bit more grace here. Just be about the Father's business. Just be about going and doing and accomplishing. And listen, going doesn't mean that you got to get on a plane with the pastor and fly to wherever because you're, you're afraid of whatever. No, it, it means going right here. You know what? Everybody in this room that's over 60 years of age that's even hinting with the thought or the idea that, that you really don't have much left in your life to live, that's a life from hell. There's a lot left to do. You can give out of your resources. You can pray and, and join one of the intercessor uh, teams, and you can pray every day for the rest of your life for me. If you don't have anything to do, I got a lot to do, and I need prayer, and I'm constant under attack, constant. Suzanne just said, every time you make a decision, I'm going somewhere, man, all hell comes against you. I know it. I prepare for it. But I also know I got some intercessors that are, man, they're sitting in their chair and they're saying, wow, God, pastor needs your covering today. He needs your, he he needs intercession. So I'm going to stay right here in the place until I get a release that pastor's okay. He's going to be all right. He's going to travel safe. He's going to fly safe. This morning, two hours before most of y'all woke up. In Africa, an Ethiopian brand new jetliner, brand new Boeing jetliner, just came onto the scene in November. Took off 
from Ethiopia to fly to Nairobi. 145 passengers, nine crew members. Six minutes into the flight, the plane crashed and killed 157 people. In that moment, their life was gone. The moment I heard that this morning in my office, I paused and I began to pray for families, fathers, mothers, brothers, sisters, sons, daughters, husbands, and wives that thought that their loved one was safely en route to Nairobi. And I prayed, God, heal their hearts. In the midst of horrible tragedy, can you save someone? Can somebody's life be saved? Can someone cry out to God Almighty? because of this horrible tragedy. Man, we live in the midst of tragedy every day. Every day, innocent little babies are being ripped from their mother's wounds in the name of it's the law. Man, there's so much you can do if you're old, older than 60. Listen, you moms in this place, there are young women in this house that need a mom or grandmother to just reach out and sit down and just make them some cookies and give them uh, whatever you drink and a dry piece of toast. It don't matter. They just need you to speak into their lives. Men need older men to help, to encourage, to say, hey, you know what? I know what you're going through. I know you can't believe that I can remember what it was like that far back, but I still do. You can make it. Tara's thought process had to be something like this. I'm only halfway to my destiny, but this place is a lush valley, and I think I could be comfortable here, staying right here for the rest of my life. Hear me, church. Don't get comfortable. God, you know, God never promised us comfort. He promised us grace, joy, peace, long-suffering. Well, why do you need long-suffering? Because I'm not comfortable. Because God's called me to do something that's going to require something of me. And before we get real judgmental on Tara, I might just want to bring your thoughts or attention to your own life. This is where many believers are today. Many have settled for less than God's plan or destiny for their life. Because it's a lush valley. It's comfortable. You got your nice home, your air condition, your heat for the 12 days of winter that we have. You got your coffee machines and your toasters and your microwaves. Life's pretty good. And you get up today and you do the same thing you did yesterday, which is what you're going to do tomorrow. Because you don't think God has a plan for your life. See, my dad could have quit at 95. But because my dad pressed on, my dad went from being a taker to spending the last four years of his life buying 650 Bibles for the island of Cuba. And when I flew into that country a couple of weeks ago and I realized I'm going to get to see the harvest of my dad's life. His life didn't matter for so long. But he pressed through, and God used him. At 95, I don't know if there's another 95-year-old person in this room today, but I want to tell you this. If God wasn't through my dad and you're still alive, he's not through with you. Got something left for you to do. I walked in the last 
few times before my dad passed. And he'd be sitting on the side of his bed with his Bible open, reading the word. And I will never, ever in my lifetime forget that memory. See, that wasn't the memory of my childhood. That wasn't the memory when I'd call my dad and say, Dad, I am desperate. Could you just send me $20? Knowing what the answer would be, son, you know if I had it, I'd send it to you. My dad never fathered me. But I forgave him. And I watched God heal his life. And I, I watched God make a difference in a man. That now when I think of my dad, I, I have amazing memories. My dad holding that bank bag full of quarters. $5.40 worth 22 quarters. Over and over and over again. My dad reading the word. My dad calling my brother Jim and saying, well, your brother's off on another missions trip. I think he's leaving tomorrow. Will you pray for him? My brother sent me a text last week as I was getting ready to go to Cuba. And he said, bro, today I just realized you're heading to Cuba. And I could hear dad calling me and saying, your brother's heading off to preach the gospel again. Might want to pray for him. Those are good memories. Those are memories I'll tell my children's children. Those are memories that can change a life. So you don't have to be like Terry. You don't have to have a really short little story. You were born and you died. You were born and, and you existed and you died. And God's saying, but I got so much more for you. I got so much more I want you to accomplish. So much more I want to do in your life and through your life. So I close with this. Don't you want your life to be more than just about living and dying? Don't you, don't you want to find out what God's marvelous plans are so that you can go the distance, stay in your lane, live out the very purposes that he has for you? I want to pray a prayer, a prayer that I don't do this very often, maybe three times in my life. But I, I wrote this prayer yesterday for us as a people and as a house. And when I'm through praying this prayer, you can say amen if you agree. But I'm asking God for revelation, inspiration, wisdom, understanding for you and I to know where our lane is. What do I need to do to walk in my lane? How do I get healed? How do I get whole? So that the rest of the days of my life are going to be fruitful. And I'm going to be like Paul and be able to say, I've run the race, kept my faith. Finish the race. Bow your heads, please. Father, Father, I pray over us as a people today. I pray that you will help us to not stop short of our destiny. Help us to not stay in a place of complacency any longer with where we are in life. Help us to finish strong the race of life that you have blessed us with. Help us to live in our lane and go the distance to the right place that you even predestined for us. Thank you, Father, for loving us and thank you for not giving up on us. 
I pray. Amen. Father, I thank you that you do have a plan for every person in this room and every person that's watching online. And I pray that even though we're wrapping up this series, that you will continue to speak to us as a people, challenge us, convict us, stir us, shake us, and let us not be afraid of your conviction. I pray over every believer in this house this morning that 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 you're desiring to do in us as American believers, that we will allow it to be done and accomplished for your glory. And Father, I pray over those in this room this morning that they, they, haven't, they, they haven't even known that they have a lane. Those that are watching online and those maybe that are sitting in this congregation, Father, that they don't know you. They don't know of your great love for them, your purpose, your plans, your heart. Lord, they... They were born, they're living, they're existing, they're struggling. They're trying to make it on their journey of life. You've already provided everything that they have need of, but they didn't know it. Today, I pray for anyone in this room and anyone watching online, You you don't have a personal relationship with God today through his son, Jesus. You don't know that he has a lane for you to live in and a purpose to walk out and a life to, to live and be fulfilled in. But you do. God loves you so much. In your mother's womb, he knew you. Gave you a name. Gave you his DNA. Put within you his plans. That the enemy has done everything he could to keep you alienated from God's love. God loves you today. And I'm here without shame or embarrassment to tell you the greatest decision you can ever make in your life is to declare that you cannot be your own God and you need the one true living God who gave his son Jesus to die for you, to be your Lord and Savior. Believers are praying right now across this congregation. This morning, if you're one of those that need God's love, need God's clarity for your life, it would be my honor to lead you in a very simple prayer to invite Jesus to become Lord of your life. Every head's bowed, believers are praying. This is between you and Father God and me as the pastor. But this morning, if you're ready to make that decision, you're ready to say, I need God in my life, would you simply just raise up your hand and hold it for a moment so that I can recognize it, and then I'm going to lead you in a prayer. If that's you right here, right now, this morning, would you just lift up your hand and let me pray for you today in this place? Yes, God bless you, dear. You want to join this one? It's your time. It's your moment. Yes, God bless you, sir. Thank you so much. You can put it down once I've seen it. Thank you. God bless you. This is your moment 
This is not about law. This is not about religion. This is not about going and trying to make things happen. This is about receiving Jesus who loves you and is forgiven. If that's you, real quick, right now, this is your moment. Would you just lift your hand? Let me pray with you as I lead these others this morning. All right, God bless you. I'm going to invite every one of you, the whole congregation, to pray with me right here, right now, this morning. Pray this prayer from your heart. Pray it out loud. Father God, thank you for loving me, even when I didn't know who you were and when I didn't love you back. Thank you for giving Jesus, your son, who was willing to die for me and my sins. Jesus, thank you. I invite you right now, Jesus, to come into my heart. Be the Lord of my life. I ask you to forgive me of all of my sins. I ask you to cleanse me from all things that have kept me separated from you. I need you, God. And today, I want to find my lane. I want to start my journey with you. So help me. I give you my life. Give you my heart, my mind, my soul, my all in all. I surrender to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, give the Lord a hand for these guys this morning. We'll share more in just a second. Thank you for listening to this message from The Rock of Gainesville. For more information about our church, visit www.therockonline.org.